Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Here in Minnesota, it's a solemn day. Welcome to Revly, your faith-fueled wake-up call with Ed the Theologian. Good morning. For some reason, there we go. Let's try this again. There, now can you hear me? There we go. I couldn't get your phone off mute for some reason. Huh. What happened? It sticks once in a while. It sticks once in a while. Yeah, it gets cantankerous. Those crazy things usually do. How was your morning? Um, I woke up to news that two officers and a paramedic were shot and killed over the weekend due to a domestic situation. The good news is is that there were seven kids in the house at the same time, ranging from two to 15, and not one of them were hurt. But one of the wow. children witnessed the thing. That's the uh, that's a crazy thing. What uh, people just get crazy over now? Well, you know the thing is, before gun um, activists start their rant and rave and forget about what happened, this man was not supposed to have weapons. He had a felony and for domestic, and he petitioned and lost to get his weapons back. Hmm. Because that's the one thing that irritates me the most is you get these government officials that come out and grandstand and forget what happened, and there's actually people involved to fuel their agendas. Yeah. Everybody's got an agenda, don't they? They do. How was your weekend? It was uh, interesting, uh, quiet. Um, right now I'm outside walking the dog, trying to get him to go. Before that, I was up. And uh, taking care of the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the only one that referred to my house as a zoo. No. Mine looks like a bomb went off in it, but uh, I'm in the process of cleaning it up, helping out and with my wife's. Uh, She's she's getting better. She's uh, her right elbow. She's been going to uh, occupational therapy. So it's uh, she's getting better. You know, it's always funny because it happens in our house too. Mom goes down. You know, when the primary person goes down 
how much we forget and how much they do. Yeah. That's the truth. Well, at least she can uh, feed herself and she's able to drive now. There's a bonus. Yeah. She went down to uh, Maryland yesterday to see her sister, and uh, I was happy to see that. So. Did good. I didn't get any phone calls saying uh, you got lost and calling from Texas Texas. <laughs> We yeah, are officially. Huh? My house a bomb went up, but we are officially out of the house. We are in our new house. We're all moved in. Not organized, but moved in. Yeah, now it's time to get organized. Yeah. Yay. Yippee. Ain't that fun? Yeah, that's where your furniture gets moved six times in one day trying to make it all work. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that So it looks like the uh, pup thing, and I get the reward. Anxious to get it. So, we want to discuss today? Um, I know you brought up something, but I can't remember what it is. Because I'm having a dull moment. Hey, Barrett, I'm having a senior moment, so. <laughs> we call I know them pretty face moments in our house. Huh? We call them pretty face moments. Oh, pretty face moments. Because yeah. my daughter does that a lot. And I just, the only thing that comes to mind when she does the da da does is. It's a good thing you're pretty. <laughs> That's just when you have nothing nice to say and you have some thought in your head and some, you know, trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> today is President's Day. There is no mail yes, today. Yeah, I always forget that. Some sometime during the day, I know I'm gonna check the mail. Just force that happening. I used to be like that, but the the postal service actually set it up so you can actually get notifications in your email of what goes oh. to your mailbox. 
My Do I have that is, Problem is, I don't check my email <laughs> often enough. That's true. I used to be like that. I'm still bad <laughs> about checking my emails, but I've gotten better. I am just not a techie person. All there is to it. I guess I just have to get in the habit of doing that. That would be... That's the hard part, is just trying to, you know, walk the fine line between checking your email and living on your phone. Yeah. I don't want to live on the phone either, you know? That's it. It's crazy. It, it, you know, you walk a fine line in almost anything you do. Because there are workaholics, there are people that And there's, you know, there's people that don't don't want to work at all. Uh, you know, I was going that, over the seven deadly sins. <laughs> and they all fit into the ninety percent of those that don't want to work all fit into the category of all the sins. Yeah. I just, I don't understand how, I miss working outside my house. Part of the reason why I miss the military so much, because, you know, I was physically active doing something outside my house. Yeah. And I went from military to being pregnant to having kids and then having special kids that there's no where to put them in like daycares or anything like that. So I could work mm-hmm. outside my house. It drives me. I just can't understand people who don't want to work, just wants to sit and do nothing. I know our bodies were made to for movement. Yeah, I don't know about you, but if you sit too long and don't do anything for an extended period of time, my body hurts. Especially whenever you try to get up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Oh, like we go to went to Walmart the other day and they had one cashier open because nobody showed up to work. Oh, good grief. They're show- because of weather or? No, it's been great here. Just- People don't want to work anymore thanks to COVID and the free checks. And I know like here in Minnesota, they just had some little extra money. So they sent out, you know, another like tax thing. 
So, you know, families were getting, you know, minimum of like 1300 bucks to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, opened up and expanded the amount of money you or your qualifications to be on welfare. So why should they work if they're going to get free money that the government's going to take care of? Mm-hmm. So the government takes care of those, and then they take our checks that we work hard on. Yeah. And I have nothing against people who are on welfare that need it. Right. Try getting off of it. Oh, that's next to impossible. I was on general assistance back in the day when I was young and had my first son. That's that double-edged sword. You know, the more you made and you claimed you made to get off welfare, the more they took out of welfare. So you always ended up in that level where you could never get it one step ahead. Right. I don't know how they do it, you got to fill out this income form, send in your paycheck stubs, and they do a it's, a, it's basically based on a computer algorithm and tells you how much you get that month. So the more you make, the more they take away. Right. That's not fair. At least I don't think it is. But what, what is fair in God's kingdom? You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. That's just the hard part about it. You know, you you get down. The low always will stay the low because there's nothing they can Mm -hmm. do. The more the help they get, the more they get loose. Yeah. It's it's not. Wow. I guess that's... uh, the way they got to make their, their money, too. So. But they should not have been keeping it from them. <coughs> well, the sad part was is there was a big write-up in the paper here. Um, the Federal Department of Human Services just chastised with uh, Minnesota and North Dakota because they are a little stricter on qualifications to get assistance. And there's like, I know we right now get a little bit of assistance because of the kids being special. Mm-hmm. Um, from the state, we get a grant to help pay for services, pay for the sensory things they need. Because, you know, it's insane. You know, I am so glad my kids smart in the, in the sense that they're creative. So, like, a a compression vest is, like, 200 bucks, and it's just a weighted vest to help them feel better. And uh, my son went and took a life jacket that was a little too small. He's like, Mm -hmm. my vest. He created his own compression vest. You know, if you go to, like, Amazon and you look up sensory toys or autistic stuff, Mm -hmm. it's three times the price. 
if you that if you go so look at the same product in a different label. Yeah. I guess it's just um, value. What how how people value. Yeah, like, okay, so a good example is, I call them chew toys, because I don't know a better way to describe them. It's like teething (laughs) toys for babies. Uh Now, if you buy a teething toy for a baby, it's like $2. But if you buy an autistic sensor chewer, the same damn thing, it's 25 bucks. Made the same product, same brand, everything's the same. But because it's got that label, it's three times the price. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, your friend from Buffalo. Yeah. Where's he been? I haven't heard anything out of him lately. He had knee surgery, oh. and it was the worst timing in the world. So he had um, knee replacement surgery done mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. So I was doing double duty with the radio. He is finally now, because he ended up, he got hurt and had replacement surgery years ago. And mm-hmm. due to that, you know, the, he ended up being addicted to pain meds, and he tells you the story. And um, so he was very careful with this time around that he didn't refuse to take the pain meds. Mm-hmm. And so it took him a little bit longer to get over it and heal and, you know, deal with the pain. So he's finally now recovering. He went in mm-hmm. Thursday and got the last Doppler test done. And... um no blood clots. He's healing good. He's starting physical therapy again. So he's finally now on the men. So we'll be hearing him back on the radio. Oh, good. Yeah, I missed him. Yeah, I'll have to tell him that. <clears throat> yeah, tell him Ed Theologian said hi. <laughs> hey. So, how's the weather out there today, this morning? What time is it out there, anyway? 8.20. I'm only an hour behind you. Okay. So, you you started 8.20, or 8, and I started 9, right? Yep. (laughs) Oh, what a... What a headache that is. Why? Well, what time do you get up? Depends on the day. Anywhere yeah, from exactly. 3 a.m. to 7 <laughs> o'clock. Yeah, I can relate to that. My son, my son, he, he works over at... Uh, at a government installation, whenever he gets off work, uh, he works 48 on, 72 off. 
Oh wow! But whenever, whenever he gets off, uh, that first morning he'll <laughs> he'll call me as he's coming down the mountain, saying, "Hey, what about breakfast?" And this is like seven twenty. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm usually up. Not all the time. No. Um, a puppy out here? Yeah. Um, so where we moved to, there's um, the Jetio turkey um, plant and the farms and stuff. Well, uh-huh. they have a car wash that washes their trucks. That's right next <laughs> to my house. Oh, boy. So when they take the truck from the farms, which is down the road in the next town over, and they, you know, go to the processing plant, and on their way back, they always stop here to wash their trucks off and clean all their trucks out. Mm. Yeah, that's fun. So the dogs are adjusting to the um, amount of people. Cause we're closer to the road. We're closer to a lot of things around here. We have neighbors that are actually outside and nice. So you got enough room to do a garden this year? We do, and actually the debate of these that we're going through right now is our city passed an ordinance allowing exotic animals. By that, they consider exotic animals like snakes and chickens in city limits. So we're thinking about, my husband has this genius idea. He's kind of a city boy. I grew up raising chickens. I don't that's not my idea of fun, but he wants to get a couple. <laughs> Thinking about getting a couple of chickens. And two, it's something my mother-in-law detests. So. But the plan is, is getting a couple of chickens and having a nice garden in the side of the house, in the front yard, and then leaving our backyard to the kids' destruction. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, it's really cool. I'm going to send you a picture when it warms up because I don't go out there because it's too cold for me. But um, we had this tree that got uprooted, like a big hole around the tree. It's not a very big tree either, but there's like a big crevice around the tree. Uh-huh. So my son, he calls it the mud pit. And so he fills it up. It's like his little swimming pool. <laughs> and then he's got the tree with the, you know, a little bit of grass and stuff around the tree that's, you know, slightly tipped over. <clears throat> and that's his island. Yeah, he goes swimming in the winter, does he? Little, oh my god, no, because I don't have my water hooked up yet for the um outside. 
Uh, I need to replace the pipe. Uh-huh. But he acclimates to the cold. So back when it first started getting cold, because he doesn't like to wear clothes. So, like, he'll wrap up in a blanket and have his shorts on and run out the door. Oh, my and God. And so Andy made the comment to him, what are you going to do when it's winter? <clears throat> so he turned around, he looked at Dad and goes, I'll show you. And so he takes ice baths, ice cold baths to acclimate to the cold weather. Uh, no, I couldn't even take cold showers. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Well, better him than me. That's it. Well, we're still struggling at the moment. I have to go by. God, they're so expensive, too. Um, the, the only tub they ever knew had the shower doors. <laughs> Ours don't have one yet, and like the cheapest ones, like five hundred bucks. So that's common, but they don't like to take a bath now because it's a shower curtain. So you gotta force them in the tub. <laughs> no, why don't they like the shower curtain? Because that means they can't jump around the tub and hold the water in. That night, I made the mistake of finding a really cool, pretty shower curtain, but it made the bathtub dark. So they, they like that glass and the light. So I have a clear shower curtain, so my daughter's okay with it, but my son's still dealing with it because he can't play in the tub. Without flooding out our bathroom. <laughs> that sounds like our one guy. <laughs> you know, if you go in the little bathroom and jump into the sink and lay down. So mine's not the only cat that lays in the sink in the tub? Nope. I know our old cat that disappeared used to love taking baths. Well, our our crazy cat, uh, the orange one, he, he just loves fresh water. So he'll jump up at the sink. I'll turn the cold water on, just a trickle, and he'll just get water everywhere, all over him, all over the uh, sink. And then, after he leaves, I turn off the water. I don't know where he goes, but if I go upstairs to take a shower, turn the water on, uh, he's right, I turn around, he's right there. He knows when I, even if I just go upstairs, he knows that I'm going close to the bathroom. <laughs> so, and I'm, I, he just lays down in the tub every now and then, yeah. He just loves to purr. 
it's insane just how they have, they're like kids. They have to have their own little personalities. And then they do. And uh, they talk to you. Yeah. My wife says, man, I wish I could uh, talk to the animals like Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> wish they invented that translator like they did the, the the movie Up. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> uh, now, the dog, I, I can read him like almost like a book. I mean... Um, in the morning, about 4.30, if, if he walks in, he'll, uh, he goes across the wooden floor, and I hear his paws on the, on the floor. So I wake up, and there he is. He's standing there looking at me, and he turns around and walks starts walking toward the door, outside door. So I get up, and I, I take him outside, and sure enough, he has to do his, do his thing. But lately, he's just sort of been uh, not doing that until after I get up. I got a vibe today. So I had to feed the, feed the cat, the other cat. I know, like we've got like a lab mix, just huge dog that still thinks he's a stupid lap dog, but he's he can be vicious to people if he don't know you, don't like you, don't trust you. Absolutely hated mm-hmm. my mother in law, but when it comes to the kids, they could do everything and anything to that dog, and he just sits there and takes it. Yeah. He just sits there and gives you that pitiful look. And my son likes to walk sit on him and ride him like a horse. <laughs> and the dog just looks at me and I go, well, if you're dumb enough to sit there and take it, that's your problem. Figure it out. He looks at you and says, you going to help me? Yeah. I go, no. <laughs> I love it when they look, look at you like that. It's just hilarious. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I got I'm thinking about <clears throat> uh, maybe sometime flying out to uh I went out to Minneapolis several years ago for a massage uh, therapy conference. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was an oncology conference. And uh, went to, uh, what was it, Mall America? Yeah, the most overrated mall. Yeah. Well, that was the first time I ever saw that. That, that hmm. was... That was big in my eyes. 
it used to be the largest mall in the U.S. It started out as the largest mall in, in North America. <coughs> and then the guy that built that one built one in Canada bigger. And it's been a fight for years. But the sad part was is that it didn't sustain. And it's like stores on each level. There's cool things to see there, but at the same time... That's a little uh, redundant. Yeah. I like going... I want to take the kids there to go back to Underwater World. Is that an aquarium? It is a giant aquarium underneath the Mall of America. What? Yeah. I didn't see that one. <laughs> That's the one thing you probably missed. But yeah. it's all above you are all different um animals, sharks and stingrays and stuff like that. And then they have a little like um explore area where you can actually touch some of the the fish. Some of the rays and oh. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I told, uh, this is our, my wife and I, uh, this is our 50th wedding anniversary year. It, oh, it wow. won't be 50 years until September, but we are in the 50th year. <clears throat> Even longer because we've known each other since seventh grade. <clears throat> but uh, I want to take her on a balloon ride. That sounds interesting. The concept scares <laughs> the living hell out of me, and my husband still hasn't figured out why. Right? Why? Because I used to jump out of helicopters for a living. I flew under you, eh? <laughs> and so, you know, going up in a, a balloon just, I don't know, just scares crap out of me. I told him, you have fun. You can take the kids. I'll see <laughs> you when you land. <laughs> they, they say <laughs> it's uh, it's not bad because just go where the wind takes you. And it's like you're just floating on clouds. Mm-hmm. So they said. It's not it's not hard, it's not uh, bumpy or anything. And the view is spectacular when I understand. I wanna take her on a balloon ride and then uh give her a dinner cruise down the Susquehanna River on a paddle. That would be fun. <coughs> no, we have one of those here that you can do that with. Oh, you go down the Mississippi. Oh. Um, 
when you do that, um, talk to Ron. He can get you. Um, a whole package and get it discounted. Where? The Buffalo guy, Ron, the president of the Hope Collection. That's he's a travel agent. That's what he does. Hmm. Is he? He um, is part of this organization called Surge Three Six Five, and it's all about discounts and. I know. Um, so when I took all the kids to Buffalo, we had 10 rooms at the hotel Memorial Day weekend, and we ended up paying like $700. Wow. For all the hotel rooms. That was in New York? Yeah, Buffalo, New York on Memorial Day weekend, which is the busiest weekend in Buffalo. Because of all the colleges graduate that time period, and you have Memorial Day, and everything opens for the summer. It was horribly insane at Niagara Falls, but there were no hotels available. Wow. You know, speaking of malls, so the Carousel Mall in Syracuse, New York, the carousel at the Naval Park in Buffalo and here in Minnesota at the Como Zoo are the only three left of the original horses of the carousel. Yeah. And that, I think it's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, whenever I went up to Syracuse to see my Air Force buddy a long time ago, back in He's passed away now, but it was uh, 2005, I think. That was the first time we saw uh, saw each other in 33 years. Oh, wow. And uh, we uh, we got together. He, he took me to a, well, he took my wife and I to... Oh, Cooper, Coopertown, Cooper, Cooperville, Coopertown. Mm-hmm. The base, baseball. Uh, we, we, oh. He won tickets to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, while while we were going, uh, whenever we got there, um, the museum had a line out the door, down the street, and around the block. And he said, nope, ain't staying in line. So <laughs> we turned around and uh, on the way back, right along the uh, one river there. I can't remember which which river. But <clears throat> there was a museum that sort of sat back off the road, uh, in the woods, and it was crammed full of carousel horses. Yeah. I thought that was so neat. Yeah, that's where they were made originally. What, Cooper Town? 
Um, yeah, out there. That's why the Carousel Mall in Syracuse and stuff, it's a big thing. And I don't remember the story of how we ended up with a carousel with the with from that guy, but yeah, we've got one of the only ones that are left. So I know they had to get some parts for the carousel, and we had to have them custom made from that museum. Wow! Totally cool. Yeah, and you can um, like I know in Buffalo, you can go ride it. I know my kids did last year. And then he's got um, the whole history behind it right there and everything else that you can learn about it. Yeah, the uh, each carousel, they, they had lions, they had tigers, they had horses. And um, each one had, had their own uh, history uh, or a plaque when it was mm-hmm. made, where it was made, you know. And uh, oh, I loved it. I thought I thought that was the greatest thing since peanut butter. <laughs> See, that stuff is cool. When I went to Syracuse, I was dating a guy. Okay, now keep in mind here, I'm from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The land of ten thousand lakes, the land of the largest freshwater lake. Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to see anything cool when I was there the first time. We had to go see Lake Ontario. We had to go see Lake Erie. We had to go see another lake. And then he got so mad at me because I got so frustrated with him. I'm like, these are lakes. Woohoo. Yippee hooray. <laughs> go see something fun. Can we do anything fun? You know, he got mad because um, downtown Syracuse is where, part of where the original Erie Canal was. It's paved over now, but they have a plaque and everything else. I was more excited about seeing part of the original Erie Canal. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the Great Lakes aren't was... really real lakes. Um, they are. They also call them inland seas. Right. Especially Lake Superior because it actually has its own ecosystem. Yeah, there's been many a ship lost out there. Yeah. One of the most famous is the Fitzgerald. Yeah. And the cool part is, is they did um, a documentary on this. And they're now finding more artifacts to prove this, is that the Vikings actually came here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they started in, you know, from the ocean, and they worked their way through with the, and and got as far as they could. And um, carried their boats, not the ships, the boats, you know, across different inlands. To make it all the way to different areas, but they made it all the way to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they were explorers. What what's the what's the Viking stone called? I I forget. 
The what? It, um, the it's called a Viking stone. Uh, the uh, a rune rune stone. Oh, the rune stone. Yeah, we have that here yeah. in Minnesota. It's still mm-hmm. not officially authenticated. They're trying to get it. Story goes is the man that found it was out in the field here in Alexandria, Minnesota. It's really cool. It's a giant stone yeah. that's now in a museum. But they're trying to say, and this man was not by any means educated. He barely could read and write. And he was out plowing his field and found it when his plow hit it. And so they're trying to say that he forged it and made it. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he wasn't an upstanding man at the time. He was, you know, a poor farmer. And um, there's a cool documentary on that. And Mm -hmm. his family's still working with the museum and stuff. um, With this, let's see here. What is his name? Because they found it in 1898. And um, the guy was from Fargo. The movie Fargo? Yep. Um, Peter Stormares. He actually came out here and did a documentary. Because his family is actually Viking. He came over here from, mm-hmm. from over there. And um, helping, and it was really cool is that um, something really fun, cool to watch because he actually, him and the family of the descendant of this gentleman that found the stone actually went and traced things back to Canada, Newfoundland, and found how they came across and talked to specialists. And But because they still can't um, decipher some of the languages on it, Yeah, it's like a lot of Native American languages. It's not spoken anymore. And That's they, it. They, they just lost. And then part of the reason why they claim it's a hoax was because he saw all this writing on it, so he was taking a chisel and scratching the dirt off of it, trying to clean out the writing. So they're using that as the excuse. Yeah. What is the stone made out of? It can't be sandstone. Too crumbly. Right. So it has to be something hard. It says it's a hard gray sandstone called gray wacky. Gray wack? Yeah. Which a lot of their stones are cut from over in Scandinavia. Yeah. 
and parts that they've uncovered and like some of the language that they've gotten out of it talks about their journey from there to here and it wasn't good. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> you know, that's all about the the settlement and then the murder of so many of the Vikings. Yeah, the uh, the longboats. <clears throat> I wouldn't want to risk going across the ocean <laughs> in those. No. Ain't no way. I don't even want to cross the English Channel in one of those. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of history. I mean, Columbus. I already knew Columbus was not the first. He might have been the first Italian under Spain control to <coughs> find the Americans, but hey, I think the uh, I think the Norsemen were here first. <coughs> Excuse me. What do you think? I think that we've discovered this. I mean, they're finding stuff in the Grand Canyon. There's stories from Native Americans that talk about white man long before Mm -hmm. Columbus, you know. Yeah, but the one thing that the Native American story says is uh, they had uh, red hair. Yeah. Now, Columbus did not have red hair. No. You know, it's stuff in the air, everything is up for interpretation. Everything. I keep my right arm bent a little bit too long, my fingers go to sleep. I know how that is. I'm the same way. It it just feels like sand. (laughs) What's interesting, too, is, you know, um, like Nefertiti. You know, she's cited to have red hair, too. But, you know, I started thinking about this. Okay, so in church yesterday, we were talking about the flood and Noah and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's all this discussion about Jesus being white and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> well, when you, 
the very beginning of the Bible tells you of the Garden of Eden, but they don't tell you these in the Middle East. They don't tell you anywhere where he is. They tell you he lands there. Who's not saying that Noah originally was came from the European areas? There's no, you know, starting place of where they came from. There's no description in the Bible where he came from. Or am I wrong and missed that point in the Bible? Actually, there's no uh, no place in the Bible that says where almost any of them came from. Right. So, you know, who's saying that, you know, Noah didn't come from north and landed in the south, Middle East, after the flood? We know he floated for 40 days and 40 nights. That's all we know. He didn't float in a circle. No, he did not. I mean, you're literally aimlessly drifting for 40 days and 40 nights. Was he aimlessly drifting? Well, they had no control over where they were going. There was no, you know, they just floated. He didn't. Correct. <laughs> it's just a promise of being, you know, going to the promised lands. And we know from artifacts coming out in their, you know, and descriptions and things, you know, that Bethlehem is in the Middle East. We know that from things that we've found. You know, the Roman Empire, all that stuff came down, yada, yada, yada. So who's not saying Mm -hmm. that original descendants of the Bible were not from somewhere other than the Middle East? We just assume they're from the Middle East. Because my big thing that always blew my mind was, you know, there's been pictures of Jesus from the gain of time. People didn't just be able to take a photo and send it everywhere. <laughs> right. Yet, all of our original photos, including the Shroud of Torin, give or take if it's real or not, but they all look exactly the same. Yeah, why is that? There's my question. How can... Every artist in the world who we know is all into interpretation. How does one man's facial features, structure, hair, all from a description from the Bible, look exactly the same? When there really isn't a description. I mean, there's a description of Paul. There's a description of all these disciples and what they look like. But there's no description of what Jesus actually looked like to go on. Just that he was a carpenter and helped his dad. Yeah. I never yet, found anything. No. But yet, all these pictures all look the same. And I'm not talking modern day stuff. I'm talking, you know, Renaissance periods and back. Mm-hmm.
I think it was aliens. Haha. <laughs> Is that like the aliens built the pyramids too? Yeah. Well, they they did they just needed the uh workers so they they did it in Egypt. <laughs> But, you know, when you think about it, it's actually, you know, you begin to wonder how, you know, these pictures of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, even though there's no real descriptions of what they look like. And, you know, one is a short, you know, one of the disciples is a short, chubby man, stuff like that. But all their pictures, all their portraits, all their drawings all look the same. Why? I don't know. Could be the church said this is the way it's going to be. There's your food for thought for the weekend, for the week. There you go. Uh, I've thought on that before. We can uh, we can pick that up again, but in the meantime, take a take a look at the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues of uh, heaven. Yes, because they go hand in hand, and just because you followed you lapse and do the deadly sins doesn't mean you can't. Right. Make amends, confess, change. There's a really book, good book on that called "God Allows U-Turns." <laughs> That's all about how to make a U-turn and change the way you're living. Yeah. Oh, think on that. So only problem, only problem is whenever I think on things like that, I always think, is it me or is God really showing me something? Is my finite mind, can my finite mind actually grasp hold of what needs to be done? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's God teaching you to think outside the box. Yeah, instead of building a box around you. That's it. So we are out of time for today. So have a good day. Have a good night. And see you back here 
on Monday. All righty. You too. Bye for now. <laughs>